these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Okay, we have a lot to cover here because <laughs> we're just happy that Kyle is alive. I was looking for you in some of these just drunken videos from the Waste Management Open, and I did unless you were the guy that was like shirtless with his butt hanging out of his jeans, tumbling down a hill on Saturday, couldn't see their face. I I don't think it was you. You want to confirm or deny? I mean, what happens in Scottsdale kind of stays in Scottsdale. I think we'll just leave it there. I will. Uh, it was great. We were texting throughout. I will say, don't not a not a ton of a uh, recollection of of calling in on Thursday to the pod. When uh, thought that man, I thought I I I, I thought you had your uh, your wits about you. Okay, on Thursday. That, that's yeah. all that matters. Uh, no, it was great. It was weird because you know you're you're an Arizona fan as well. We got down there Wednesday night, and then they were like at the end of a Pineapple Express. Uh, not to be confused yeah. with with the movie or the uh, recreational uh, medicine, but then it just dumped on us on Thursday. Like we were trying to golf 18 and it was hailing sideways and then it just kind of cleared up. And then the rest of the weekend was great. We went to waste manager on Friday. I'm sure anyone that has any golf enjoyment or excitement or likes the sport probably saw some of the stories that came out. All jokes aside, it's probably hit like kind of jumped the shark a little bit where it used to be a way for golf fans to party with golfers. And now it's like a place for alcoholics to Okay. Do crazy yeah. things. And like Saturday, they stopped checking tickets. They just let people in and they cut Ooh, off alcohol. Sa- yeah. Saturday, they cut off alcohol sales at one, let people in without any tickets. So, like, the liabil- <clears throat> liability there was crazy. But uh, it was fun. You can hear it in my voice. It's emotional <laughs> for you. I know. Yeah, it's the waste management. Up, but, uh, Scotty Scheffler, you know, couldn't quite get it done. It was cool. And then to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, it was a, it was a much needed break. But I'm excited to be back and, uh, talk about last night's Clippers win. I Dude. just caught up on the Bucks blowout that they had and then uh two games out here in the Flagrant Howls West Coast headquarters against the Blazers. So, it's a good week of basketball and there'll be plenty of content uh from from me. Unfortunately. Are you are you going to the games? Yeah, this so week? uh Dane Moore, you ever heard of him? He's uh in my guest bedroom right now, but we're going to cover tonight's game and we'll do a pod tonight and then we'll cover Thursday's game as well and then they have I think it's like a week off for the All-Star break. So, yeah. uh Podcasts are plenty this week. I'm excited to go talk to Finchie tonight, talk to some of the players. And the last time they were here, Phil, I checked this, was like December 10th and 12th of 2022. Mm-hmm. So a little over a year ago. Um, and that's when they got swept by the that's Blazers. Right. Team. They still had Damian Lillard, but <laughs> the Wolves, funny. you know, they were in the midst of their whole no Carl. It was disaster. before the, the players only Pistons meeting, yep. too, which was yep. so a few weeks later. The, both franchises have kind of gone in different directions since that moment but uh excited to see some of the young guys for the blazers tonight and excited to see i mean i know texting someone from the team they got in last night at like 2 30 by the time they got to the i don't know if they're at the nines or whatever but check in cool down you know celebrate a banked in three it's probably like 4 a.m they went to bed so the fellows might be a little tired tonight i'm a little tired today we're all a little tired but uh another great opportunity tonight to extend that lead in the west you know, I'm not tired because I am an old man and I fell asleep. <laughs> oh, I fell asleep last there night. There we go. There so we go. I, w- I woke up and I uh, I watched the game on sort of uh, you know speed forward mode this morning. But so but I wake up and I check my Twitter feed and the algorithm feeds me two things now on Twitter. It feeds me like Timberwolf stuff and then it feeds me WWE promos from Seth Rollins. So that's pretty much my life. <laughs> and like Kirk and like Kirk Cousins speculation. Those are the three things I see. And a lot so of the, link a lot of Lincoln bios too. I'm trying to mute those one at a time. Link. <laughs> 
thread link in bio. Those are my favorites. So the first tweet I wake up to from OptiStats is there have been 778 instances in the NBA regular season of a team playing consecutive games both on the road against opponents that are 15 games above 500 or better. So are we, I'll repeat that because it's, it's a lot. a lot of numbers there. 778 times in NBA regular season history a team goes on the road and plays consecutive games against really good opponents that are mm-hmm. 15 games or more above 500. The Timberwolves are the only one out of 778 to win both games by 20 or more points. Think about that for a second. And hang the banner, right? I think we that's we got another one inside targets. I mean, first of all, the, the fact that people can pull those stats is incredible. That's another topic, but that is truly, I saw that come through from Wolves PR last night. That is simply an amazing stat. Uh, I mean, it's, in, it's a credit to the organization, obviously, for getting rid of Finch and finding a coach that can do that type of stuff. Uh, but <laughs> I also saw... I think they fired him right before uh, yeah, this road so trip. Yeah, shout out to the new coach who also has the same name. Um, I also saw one from Krasinski last night that was worth, I have a couple stats. I know we're just going to go stats galore today. But, let's, uh, let's go. Let's go. Stat porn out of the gate here. Timberwolves okay. stat porn. Um, this was a good one. I like this from Johnny K. The Timberwolves are eleven and five in their last sixteen games. Those five losses have come by a combined total of seventeen points. So five losses by a combined seventeen points. Those eleven wins have come by a combined one hundred and sixty-eight points. So in their last five Dude. losses, they're losing by about three and a half points per game. In their last 11 wins, they're winning by about 15 and a half points yeah. per game. Um, I, I don't even think I have any pettiness in my, my soul anymore, but I don't want to pretend like they didn't hit a rough patch, right? Like they, towards the end of January, some of the flaws and things we were dissecting with this offense that just was not up to par with how good the defense is were real. I also, you know, that Spurs loss, like we came on here and we said Chris Finch lost them that game by playing bad rotations, by not executing down the fourth. But that might have been part of our December discussion where we're like, hey, you know what? It doesn't really matter what they're doing right now. It's all about experimenting, trying new things. I think to Finch's credit, after blowing some of those games, he's learned some stuff and dialed up some better rotations. Obviously, they they land Monty Morris at the trade deadline. I'm sure we'll talk about that too. But I think he's just starting to kind of pivot and learn some things. Like, we can't do that anymore. We can't put out three non-shooters. I think Kyle Anderson has been rejuvenated. He just looks like a different player as he well. He hit so a three last night. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, so a lot of things. But... Whatever happened in January, I mean, I think now we were talking about this last night, Dane and I, they're 24th on the season in three-pointers attempted per game. And in the last five games, which is the month of February, they're ninth. So they hit them at like the second best rate in the league. They just don't take enough of them. Yeah. Rudy Gobert has been vocal about that the whole team. So you're starting to see them let it fly a little more. Even last night when Ant goes one for 11, I think just the gravity sometimes of him taking those shots kind of keeps things open. So... Really, really impressive win against the Clippers in a game that I really think going into it, both teams were taking very seriously, especially the Clippers who, you know, I heard you talking with Doogie and and Declan and Judd today. The Clippers kind of said when they lost in Minnesota a couple weeks ago, oh, we didn't have Zubac, you know, whatever. We didn't have our big guy. We'll be fine. They had Zubac last night and they were not fine. They don't have the size to, to kind of contest what Minnesota throws out there at the four and five spots. So... I still think the Clippers are really good. I think they could make some noise. This is probably their best chance since like the Blake Griffin, Chris Paul thing, but they have no answer against the Wolves. The Wolves have basically 
bullied them the last five of the six games. So great performance back in the first place in the West, and now you have two kind of really easy games uh, before you get a week off. The small ball thing was was I don't know. It's regular season, you know. It's a it's a Monday in the middle of February, so we'll we'll see what happens in a playoff series. But to, for the Clippers to try and go small as a chess move last night, mm-hmm. and for the Wolves to just like put their thumb on the small Clippers' heads yep. and and widen that gap, and then Anthony Edwards is just banking in a three for the second consecutive game and taunting you know Clippers fans. That's been the narrative for a year and a half here. It's like, oh, you know, even if the Wolves do have success in the regular season, well, we all know any team that has Rudy Gobert on the court, you just go small and it's over, right? And there's been a couple, you know, there's times where opponents go small and it can give the Wolves some problems. But people acting like this is the same Gobert situation that we saw in Utah where he literally has like, f- like four YMCA players playing defense on the <laughs> perimeter. I mean, this is Rudy Gobert with two of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA when they want to, right? Mm-hmm. Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards. And you're seeing what it looks like. You want to go small? That's fine. Like, the Wolves are versatile enough. Like, there's also other lineup combinations if a team goes small, the Wolves could adjust to. But it's just kind of funny that that narrative has persisted even though this team is com- is a completely different makeup compared to that Utah Jazz team. And the Clippers found out. Like, the Clippers... And they have a different roster than they did a few years ago in the playoffs when mm-hmm. they went small and ran Gobert and some of those Jazz players off the court. But it's no longer just, oh, just go small against a Rudy Gobert team and you're going to sweep them or a gentleman sweep in five games. But I'm excited to see it in the playoffs. Yeah. And I joked about the Chris Finch thing. There was another topic that was, you know, had some validity for, I guess, a couple days about Jade McDaniels was kind of in a slump and, you know, obviously the foul trouble that he's had persisting throughout his career since he entered the league has been annoying but I just think the last like four or five weeks he's been playing really well and again last night for a guy making three million dollars uh he Rudy Gobert was awesome last night and we can talk about him for four hours but I thought maybe Jade McDaniels was the best defensive player on the court last night Mm he uh he does stuff to players that other players just don't do stuff to them that sounded really smart so let me try that again like (laughs) that block he had on Kawhi when Kawhi gets past him there's just not a lot of defenders that do that. Like guys don't really block Kawhi when he's going to the rim like that. There was that cool sequence where Monty Morris had a block and then Rudy had a block. Um, their defense is ferocious and we're almost 55 ish games through the season. We know it translates now and travels and can go on the road and play in hostile arenas. But the, the, the final stat that I had for you and I, then I'll kick it back to you is uh, the Wolves had 33 assists last night against the Clippers they're now 17 and 2 on the season when they have 30 or more assists. I know the defense is their calling card and that is their identity, but to me, you know, one more time, 33 assists last night, 17 and 2 this season when they have 30 more assists. That's it. That we we can talk every day and do podcasts and write articles and make videos. To Keep me it's it if they hit that 30 assist point, that's it. It means the ball is getting spread around, they're sharing, they're trusting the pass, all that extra stuff, hockey assists. That's how they become either an average offense, which is probably all they need, or a top 10 offense, which makes you a bona fide real threat to contend for a championship. Yeah. Man, the, the, the stat porn is just plentiful here. Here's another one for you from last night's game. I actually have two things for you. One's off last night's game. The other one's kind of off last night's game. So Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards combined to go two for 16 from three-point range. 
If I, if I just, <laughs> so if I just stop there and say, mm-hmm. hey, Wolves are going on the road. They're playing the Clippers, one of the best teams in the NBA, one of the hottest teams in the NBA. And Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns are going to go two for 16 from three-point range. Do you think they win the game? I think we'd probably say, ooh, it's going to be tough. Be tough to win that game, let alone win it by 21 points going away, right? On the flip side, they went 14 for 14 from two-point range. Perfect. Yep. Cat and Ant combined to go 14 for 14 from inside the three-point line last night. That's wild, dude. That's kind of the beauty of playing the result, right? Like, if the Wolves lose... One of the first things we talk about today is that Ant went one for 11 from three. And the only yeah. one that he made was banked in. And there is a, I don't know, someone who covers the team on a daily basis. I'll have to talk to Chris or, like, or Jay. Someone who, we need to find out what this fetish is with just banking in shots. Because it's really weird. Like, it is so hard to go to your local gym and try to bank in threes from like a 45 degree angle. But uh, I would say to your point, if I said, yeah, they're two for 16 last night from three. Do you think they won? I'd probably be like, no. But I would also say, I do love that they combined to take 16 threes. Because, again, on the season, I looked this up last night, on the season, the only team better in three-point percentage is the Clippers. The Wolves are second. But they're also, again, on the season, like 24th in attempts. So we tried to figure out how they unlock this offense and the spacing and stuff. It might just be having their best shooters take a lot of threes. And obviously, yeah. you know, Jaden took four. Monty Morris came in and just immediately let it fly. But... Taking more threes, that's just like an NBA rule in general in 2024. But if they increase their volume and there's no reason they can't, whether that be through more sets or just, you know, a little more spacing and and creativity. Carl's been parked in the corner a lot more. Jake Painting had another really good video uh, about that this week. So more threes, the better. But uh, yet, I I don't want to overreact to, to, to a basketball game before Valentine's Day. But if I'm a Clippers fan... And we're riding high, and you know, last week I saw Ryan Russell pick them to win the West. That that wasn't just a fluke. Like both those teams were rested, and the Clippers were at home, and they had no answers. I mean, a forty to nineteen third quarter from Minnesota, they had no way to stop Ant. They had no way to keep Rudy off the glass, and they have no one that can really guard Carl. So I'm sure in a playoff series they would make tweaks. Tyloo might be one of the best coaches in the league, but that's a real concerning game for the Clippers to have 72 hours after the trade deadline when they now cannot really go acquire another big guy. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the Clippers would look at last night and they would argue, all right, we're 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 not going to shoot 32% from three, although that's not terrible. I mean, it's the, it, there's a difference between going like 9 of 28 versus like 4 of 30 or something. So they weren't mm-hmm. awful from three-point range. But they would say, we're going to shoot better in – most games in a playoff series than 40% from the field and 32% from three. But the Wolves could come back and say, yeah, but like we made your life hell for almost 48 minutes, especially in the second half, that third quarter, by contesting everything. There's a reason why Paul George goes five of 16 in that game. There's a reason why Russell Westbrook is, you know, three of 11 and they're forcing him to shoot a bunch of three pointers and long shots. So um, some of it was, yeah, okay, the Clippers, maybe we're just off a little bit offensively, but the Wolves are forcing them to be off too. Here's another one, all right? Continuing down our stat porn wormhole. So Nas Reed played 27 minutes last night. He was a plus 17, which was tied for second best with Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards was a plus 18. So Nas was a plus 17 in 27 minutes, 11 points, seven boards, five of nine from the field, just like a classic Nas Mm -hmm. Reed game, right? 
when Nas Reed plays at least 25 minutes in a game, and it's hard to find him 25 minutes. Yeah. It's only happened like 13 times. Because mm-hmm. now they have experimented a little bit more recently with putting all three of those dudes on the court at the same time, but it mm-hmm. is kind of hard to find Nas Reed 25 minutes every single night. When he plays at least 25 minutes, the Wolves are 10-3 and three in those 13 games. And here's something even more fascinating to me. Nas Reed lineup combinations. We love doing oh, lineup love combinations it. update mm-hmm. here. Okay? Last year, among the combos that he played with at least 150 minutes, his worst two-man combo partner was Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Unplayable together last year. Yeah. When those two guys were on the court together for 200 minutes, they were a minus 11 points per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. Nas plus Rudy. This season... Nas Reed's best two-man lineup pairing, best, is Rudy Gobert. Dude, they're a plus 16 points per 100 possessions. Anthony Edwards is another one, too. So Nas Reed plus Anthony Edwards together last year, and they played 800 minutes together last year. It was Nas Reed's uh, most common pairing in a two-man lineup combo. But that pairing, Nas Reed plus Anthony Edwards last year, was still... Minus one point per 100 possessions. They were just like trying to break even together. Yep. This year, plus 15 points per 100 possessions when Nas Reed and Anthony Edwards are on the court at the same time. Three-man combos, it's even crazier, dude. When Nas, Gobert, and Anthony Edwards are on the court, those three guys at the same time, 300 minutes worth this season, it's a plus 25 points per 100 possessions. It's one of the best three-man, if not, I don't have them all stacked in front of me, but among lineups that have played 300 minutes together, it is one of the most lethal three-man combos, Nas, Gobert, and Anthony Edwards in the entire league. If I was just a casual fan or like a, another team, I really do think I would be just in love with the the trio of having three big guys that are all so different, but you throw any two of them into a rotation, or I mean... I know Dane's always been big on calling Nas like he's a wing, you know, like he's not. He came into the league as like some undrafted. He is, yeah, center, he's a wing. but he's really just a wing with his athleticism and his ability to put the ball on the deck. Yeah. Uh, but just having like Nas, Carl, and Rudy is one of the coolest front courts that I really remember, like in the last ten years. You know, like the Clippers are really based around having these three wing players and Kawhi and PG and, and James Harden, and they all do drastically different things and they get so much publicity because they're all you know high picks and have storied careers but Nas Carl and Rudy is like I don't know it's probably my favorite component of this team is if I'm Finch I can just do all these different things and what I love about Finch and his coaching staff there was a blip last night but for the most part they know they're big and they want to play big Mm -hmm. and they might even play big where it's like like you said it could be a Nikhil Ant backcourt which is a lot of size and then like Nas, Carl, and Rudy in your front court. So really, really impressive stuff. Nas Reed, I mean, you could make a case for, I think, half dozen guys as most improved player on this team. Like Nikhil would have a real good argument as well. And it's been great. But uh, it's probably got to go to Nas Reed, who, again, led the you know the team in bench minutes last night. But it's a c- consistent battle because if Rudy's playing as well as he is, and he is, I don't even think this is a question, their MVP throughout 55 or so games. He is. Um, yeah. Carl's playing, I think, in 2024, all NBA-type basketball. He won't make it. He's now you know, playing a lot of forward minutes. But uh, 
and then Nas Reed. I mean, he just is a cheat code that I still think your casual fan is thinking more along the lines of like, oh, you know, I'd rather have John Collins or something like these names that you're used to. It's like, dude, there are not a lot of guys in the league better than Nas Reed. Uh, and he's so unique, and he's hitting threes at a really respectable clip, which, again, just keeps everything spaced out. It's all part of the equation. So the more Nas Reed stat porn, the better. Here's one more, just because. I just got one more for you. Right, one more for you. Uh, if you were to look at the entire Timberwolves roster, let's go to the analytics here. Win shares per 48 minutes. So we'll break it down. Uh, Leonard Miller is number one, by the way. He's only played 21 minutes, so small sample. Untouchable. Size. But your guy, guy. Lenny, Lenny, is number one in win shares. Rudy Gobert is number one among the Mm -hmm. guys who get regular playing time. Number two, Mike Conley. Number three, Carl Anthony Towns. Number four, Anthony Edwards. Number five, Nas Reed. So Nas Reed has been win shares per 48 minutes, one of the five most valuable players on this team so far this year. And uh, it's good to see Mike. Like, Mike Conley obviously isn't, like, leading the Wolves in points, or he's not, like, driving... Uh, you know, the box scores on a regular basis, but it, you're seeing his impact in a lot of the analytics and the measurements, mm-hmm. like the lineup combos. And so to see that Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley are the first and second best players win shares per 48, Tim Conley, take a bow. Take a bow, dude. How crazy is that, right? I know the trade deadline last week was a dud and they, they get Monty Morris, but across the league, it was kind of lame. But it, if anything, the, my biggest thought on the trade deadline was just to think back a year ago to that trade deadline and just I think I think Jack Borman had this tweet where it was basically like there's a couple there's a couple like small draft pick compensations that you're that you're missing out on but uh the Wolves essentially traded I gotta find this this is good radio he might have deleted it now well anyway he was saying like they basically traded Torian Prince and D'Angelo Russell for Nikhil Mike Conley Monty Morris and Leonard Miller yeah. Just think about that. You traded <laughs> two wild. guys that didn't fit. They're having fine, you know, seasons or whatever in LA, but you trade two guys that just didn't fit the system and you were able to bring back three guards that make an awesome trio of guards. And then you throw in this Leonard Miller thing, which I don't know what his future looks like. I don't know. You know, he's started to pick it up a little bit more in the G League. I don't really worry about the defense because I don't think that's emphasized down there. But, uh, his playmaking, his rebounding. I mean, his rebounding would translate tomorrow. He would be a good rebounder tomorrow. But, you know, next season when the books get a little spicier and you got to probably maybe make some cost-cutting moves, to have a Leonard Miller that can maybe replace a Kyle and do some things, to have a Jalen Clark that can maybe replace, you know, if you lose Nikhil down the road, if he gets a payday or something. It's just, I was in Phoenix, right, for four days, five days, and I was talking to people and, like, Suns fans and stuff, and they have their big three and they have their team they're trying to win now. They have no assets. It's like not only do they not have draft picks or swaps or whatever, they don't have any young players in a G League kind of coming up. Yeah. And this is it for them. Like this is this is yeah, kind of all in right now. If so, if you're the Wolves, you know, or you're a fan of the Wolves, you've heard forever that they mortgage their future. And it's like you got a couple of young guys in the G League. Luca Garza wasn't wearing sleeves last night in the first half on the bench. He was looking awesome. Uh, and then you have a 2024 draft pick coming up that I'm sure four or five months from now they'll get creative with again. So pretty good time to be a Timberwolves fan uh, would be my two cents. Yes. Uh, and, and we got to get your thoughts because you popped on just kind of briefly right after the trade <laughs> deadline last week. Apologies for that. <laughs> spectacular appearance from the Waste Management Open. So we want to get your thoughts on uh, on the Morris that they acquired and the mm-hmm. Morris that they might acquire according to NBA insider Pat Beverly. But first, a shout out to our friends at First Equity Mortgage. 
Our guy David at First Equity is a diehard Timberwolves fan and Lynx as well. Season ticket holder for both teams for 20 years. Uh, I had a chance to work with him a few years ago on a refi of my home at the time. And First Equity did an amazing job. They worked efficiently. It was just one of the most pleasant experiences that you could ask for. And they've been in the market for 24 years for a reason. They pride themselves on supporting the community and treating every customer as a friend and neighbor. Not only did I have a great experience with First Equity, but I was doing some counting and uh, 20 of my coworkers and friends over the past 10 years or so have had home loans or refis handled by First Equity. You know you're getting a great experience at First Equity Mortgage. Go to femort.com. That's femort.com or scorenorth.com keyword David. Okay, Kyle, give us your uh, your download here. Monte Morris, 18 minutes last night. Uh, he's still a little bit rusty. He knocked down one three, but you're getting kind of like a guy coming back from a quad injury. But just your overall thoughts now that we have you in long form and not at the Phoenix Waste Management Open, your, uh, your thoughts on that being the big move for the Wolves at the trade deadline? Well, I kind of reiterate what I said last week, even though it's not fresh in my brain, uh, was that they didn't have to pay anything to get him, right? Like, I, I do think that this coaching staff gave Troy Brown kind of a, a tough situation. Uh, when those two guys got traded, him and Shake Milton, to Detroit, they kind of were thrown into the rotation right away. Detroit's terrible, so I get it. But uh, I think Troy Brown is an NBA player that does NBA stuff and maybe got short end of the stick here. But uh, And then Shake Milton, it just didn't work. Maybe it was just a bad fit. Maybe they were asking him to do things that weren't yeah. his cup of tea. But uh, to be able to just swap out those two contracts, they're both on team options. So it'll be up to the Pistons if they want to you know, keep them through this season. For another guy that just fits better and has – and this is so cliche, but he does – He you just listen to him talk. You watch how he carries himself, Monty Morris. He, like, epitomizes the – has a little dog in him. Like, mm-hmm. he, he seems like he might kind of have some toughness, which – that's what you want from your bench players. It, it compliments a guy like Nikhil, who's tough, and Nas, and, and Kyle, and obviously all the starters. So, And then to do it by trading out a second-round pick that, I mean, I don't know if we'll be alive in 2030. So that was like basically just, hey, can you upgrade our team for free? And Tim Conley's like, yeah, sure, I'd love to do that. So it goes back to what you said last week. Outside of maybe that Wendell Moore pick, who knows what his future's like, they really haven't missed. I mean, even if you want to say they missed last summer by signing Shake and Troy, I don't know, because it didn't hurt them. Like, it didn't help them. But then they just spun those contracts again. Tim Conley did it on his own time. He's never been someone to be like, well, I got to do this now. He uses up the shot clock, and he got a really good return for a guy that not only fits them better now. I mean, I was shocked he played 18 minutes last night. That's more minutes than he's played in any game this year for the Pistons, but uh, I think the Pistons probably told him like, Hey, uh, can you just kind of get out there for like eight minutes a night until yeah. the trade deadline? It'll be great for you. Cause we'll trade you just kind of drag your leg around for a couple weeks. He's, he's not a hundred percent, right? The Detroit Pistons might be the worst run franchise in sports right now. So I actually, but if they want to sign me, like they just give out money to anyone. So uh, yeah, maybe they were just like, Hey, keep it cool. Don't hurt yourself anymore. But he came in and looked pretty natural. Uh, it did seem like he was in the Jordan McLaughlin spot, even though I don't think J-Max played 18 minutes a lot this year. Uh, but there were times where I, I do wonder if his teammates knew that he was a good shooter because they kind of looked him off in certain situations when he was wide open. So It's reflexive at this point. Yeah. They, they, they that'll just be, assume that, anyone on the second unit standing out by the three-point line. Just, ah. yeah. So that'll be more of a familiarity thing, and I know, I know Monty Morris is going to like spend all 
off or all-star break in, in Minnesota, probably grinding film and kind of learning more about this team. But he was great. And again, to do it when you have limited assets or limited budget keeps everything open. And then I know kind of Dane was on top of this last week, but the whole bird rights thing yeah. where now you have like, long story short, if you don't trade for Monty Morris and you're in cap hell this summer, you can't sign Monty Morris. If you trade for Monty Morris and you have his bird rights and you're in cap hell, you can still go sign Monty Morris. So now they have a little Mike Conley insurance. Um, I'm still kind of hopeful that maybe Mike will like sign a deal this season or you know stay around this summer. But now you have options. You don't have to worry about what we're going to do at the point guard spot in June. You have backups. So 10 out of 10 deal. I mean, on a, on a trade deadline that was pretty meh. Um, they didn't give up anything of value to get something of value. I don't know how you give that anything other than like an A. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I won't repeat everything I said last Thursday, but Jim, Pete, and I both raved about it and said that this, this unlocks so many different things, and it checks boxes that you were looking to check. This team has a turnover problem, okay? Bring in one of yep. the best assist-to-turnover ratio guys in the NBA. This team has a second-unit offense problem. Okay, bring in an organizer of offense who can knock down threes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, this team has a fouling problem sometimes where guys get into foul trouble. Well, he has one of the lowest foul rates in the NBA. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's uh, he comes in here, and he has a track record, too, of making some big shots in big games. Big cojones is what people who have been around him say that he has. There's that clip of him hitting a game-winning three against the Warriors uh, like three or four years back. So check that one out on YouTube. But, yeah, I think – what about the other Morris? So Pat Beverly's podcast Twitter account – Yesterday tweeted out, I don't have it in front of me, but paraphrasing that uh, Marcus Morris, who I believe is still officially a member of the Spurs right now. He has not been bought out yet, but uh, that he is expected or he is leaning towards signing with the Timberwolves if and when he gets bought out. It's almost like like you and I aren't huge hockey guys. You're a big Kraken fan, I guess, and you get up to Seattle games. But this kind of feels like third line enforcer winger kind of guy that like he'll get in some fights if he needs to, but he can he can like score on the power play. Mm-hmm. Like Marcus Morris can knock down some threes mm-hmm. and he can rebound a little bit. He's played in like fifty or sixty playoff games in his career, and he can be like Anthony Edwards' bodyguard in yep. the first round of the playoffs or something. Yeah, North Philly's own. Uh, I only know that because obviously one of my friends is from Philly, but also I saw Marcus Morris, who is the better of the Morris brothers, by the way. In case you're wondering, uh, was recently granted a key to the city. Uh, so that's kind wow. of a, that's kind of a big deal, but yeah, it if you it's cool, right? This is just a fan perspective, but it's cool to see this buyout market, which you've heard about every year as a Timberwolves fan or an NBA fan, and this year players are like willingly choosing to sign with them. That's not normal. It's usually the Wolves are trying to buy out guys and then give more playing time to some you know Shane Heels of the world, but. It would be a great signing. Yeah, he's still with the Spurs. I think if he were to get waived, they agree to a buyout, I should say. It's like a 48-hour window where he's on waivers, and then he'd have to sign. The deadline is March 1st, so I don't think this gets resolved like this week. Maybe this is a to-do list for next week when everyone's chilling by a beach. But he would be great. He would be, I think, Jane McDaniel's insurance, kind of in that similar role. I also think having a, I kind of call it like a toughness coordinator, would be valuable. But I also if you want the Wolves to win a playoff series or, God forbid, a finals run, uh, I hope Marcus Morris doesn't play. Because it's just, you know, like, that means that something probably went wrong and you yeah. lost a Jaden to, like, he punched another wall or Carl Wave went a towel. down. So, yeah. yeah. 
but he's also a beloved teammate. Like that's one thing I know from my Philly friends is that like he anywhere he's gone, and I know the Morris brothers have bounced around, but he is a beloved teammate. And you see, you know, the bench interactions and the pointing all that stuff. I do think that stuff matters. It shows you how cohesive this locker room is. So throwing him in there, I always I mean, who is the tough guy on this team? I don't really know. I don't think I don't think I mean, they're soft kind of, by any means. J- but J- probably Jaden. Like he's like a. I mean, he's the one that's most likely to get into a physical altercation, I feel like, on the court. And Kyle right. Anderson will get in someone's face, right? And, but, and, you know, Carl and Rudy, their their Q rating or their perception in the league is still, like, they're kind of easy targets. You know, I, I know we talk about that a lot here. Like, Carl gets ripped on a lot, and obviously Rudy is maybe one of the least liked players in the league, although his mm-hmm. play is literally forcing people to just dice up a crow and put ketchup on it and eat it. But, I, you know, I think about that Draymond Green situation – I bet you Marcus Morris probably just takes the suspension and the fine and runs off the bench and clocks him. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I'm not promoting violence. I just, that's the type of stuff where I think the Jaden's and the ants are more like peacemakers. Obviously, Mike Conley is like Gandhi, but just to have a little spice and a little edge. You never know what's going to happen on the road in a game six or whatever. Um, and you might need someone that can also hit a three, play a little defense. I mean, his basketball still skills have decreased, but he still has a little juice left in, in his system. So I think it'd be great. I mean, I knew they were going to always be in the buyout market. I know we had talked about like a Gordon Hayward, but then he got traded. So the buyout guys usually never move the needle much. But if you have him and you have Monty Morris as Mike Conley insurance and you have maybe the best three-headed monster with Nas, Carl, and Rudy, you're giving yourself all the, you know, all the running back handcuffs for the fantasy playoffs to make sure that if anyone has anything happen to them, that you have a viable option to kind of put in their place. Uh, producer Ross wants to know, Kyle, who are the top five Gandhi-like players in the NBA? So oh, Mike the, Conley is one of them. Uh, who, so not we're Chris for like me- Meditative, calm players. So it, th- th- that's a good question, Ross. It it's probably has to be dissected a little bit because it's like if it's just well-liked players, like I don't know if anyone is more well-liked than like Boban. All his teammates really love him, but if you're just going like the nicest guys in the league, it has to be like Mike Conley. I think of like like cool, cool, calm head guys, right? That I are mean, well respected. I think I think you have to throw like a Ricky Rubio in there, who has always, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, when I think of a Gandhi player, I think of like a no, not a lot of technicals, you know, you know, the change your face, bring everyone together. So Steph Mike, Curry, Steph kind Curry, of? Steph Curry might be we'll one. Freak out a little bit, I guess. That's a really great question. Is I'm Kawhi just, Leonard on that list? Or is he just like he's more of a stoic? No, he's like a Tesla. Like he's just like a robot that yeah. is controlled. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of anyone else that the Wolves have maybe had. I don't know, but yeah, Mike well, Terrell, Conley, Terrell Brandon back in the day was kind of a okay, like a, just a veteran That's, late '90s, early 2000s. Not Sam Cassell, really. No, he was maybe like maybe head. like a CJ McCollum. I know his like yeah approval rating with his teammates has always been really good, but uh, but Mike's up there for sure. I mean, Mike Conley is pretty much the perfect teammate and i'm sure if he wants to coach one day it would be like the perfect coach so uh yeah they're they're from a roster standpoint outside ray of this, allen ray allen yeah the ray nba ray allen not he got game ray allen um yeah, yeah two yeah. different players yeah. but uh no i i do think that this team is from a roster standpoint to kind of close the loop on the trade deadline did a really good job they didn't have a lot of assets we knew that they didn't hurt themselves moving forward i mean we talked about like Bogdanovich from Atlanta, it's like this team cannot take on more guaranteed salary past you know April or May or June. So we still have a lot to talk about this summer, and that'll be a whole other chapter of this. But for now, one to fourteen, all the young guys that are kind of just percolating down in Iowa, this is you know 
This is not the most successful team in franchise history because they haven't done anything yet in the playoffs. But roster-wise and regular season-wise, this is probably the best 15-man lineup and, and team we've seen in 35 years. So that's a, it's a pretty cool moment. Where were the – I have a couple. Uh, we're going to dive into the comments section to wrap the show here with a couple fun ones. But the 2003 Timberwolves, where were they around the All-Star break? Let me just pull up there. Because I, I feel like that team that that team took like a month and a half to figure it out. And then mm-hmm. they got they got hot later. But I'm just curious. So what's the date today? February 13th. So February 13th, uh, the All-Star break was right around that time. That team was 37 and 15. Yeah, yep. You're looking at the, you're looking at the same thing and I am. So on. And this team is 37 and 16 right now. So those two, those two teams were essentially the exact same record at the exact same point in the season here. That team wound up going to the Western Conference Finals, losing in six to the Lakers. And, and funny enough, they played the Clippers. <laughs> they played the Clippers uh, at the same point on the schedule. Yep. Hmm. They were also, uh, they also, God damn, that team was sweet. We just need to take a moment, like, a, I don't know, for a moment of silence. They closed with nine straight wins. Yeah. So they to were get the, to four, get the one seed. Yeah. 49 and 24 on March 26th. They lost at the Lakers by 17, 90 73. Remember those days? Dude, Remember that when, whole season is like, like, like this year's Wolves team is the number one defense in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And they're still giving up like 107 points a game, whatever it is. This Wolves team, I mean, they literally had a run in January of 20 years ago where opponents are scoring 75, 90, 75, 77. 89, 93, 95, 90, 79. They're holding opponents under 80, dude. <laughs> Just a different time Just, in the NBA. I know, like in <laughs> in so they, they the Wolves of 0304 close on a nine game winning streak, and in seven of those nine games, both teams scored under a hundred points. Yeah, like those. I don't know. That was just. I don't want to call it the good old days, but remember, it's like when a five dollar footlong didn't cost twelve dollars. Like those yeah. were the good old days. So this that is was wild. A, they had a game. I think it was the first game of the year, November first, two thousand three, and they beat the Raptors seventy three to fifty six. <laughs> third game of the year It was the third game of the year, and then they had a game on February eleventh at Utah. They beat the Jazz seventy seven to sixty six. Maybe those games actually. The more you say those numbers, and the more I think about it, I'm actually not sure those were the good old days because that's not a lot of like. I don't know how to we romanticize. Man, oh, the '90s NBA. These guys today. I love it. The arguments were like, "Good luck, Steph Curry playing against the '90s Knicks." It's like, uh, I mean, the '90s Knicks that had like four dudes who couldn't make a shot and Patrick Ewing playing, or like which Knicks team were you talking about? Did you see, did you see this too? This is a courtesy of our beloved friends here at our own company at score North. But as we just go through stats and we go through history that there was a tweet put out that by Chris Palmer, who's a character, uh, could Anthony Edwards pass Steph Curry for number one on the all time three point list currently made threes after his first four seasons Steph Curry had 644. Anthony Edwards had 725. And yeah. he's only halfway through his fourth season. Now, I haven't looked up any of that. I'm sure it's true. I do think that there was ankle injuries or something involved with Steph's early career that he finally uh, exploded. I mean, at some point, he was probably taking 14 threes a game. That's but the, more what it is, yeah. But the fact that even at this current sample size, three and a half years in for Ant, he's already made 800 more, 800 more. 
80 more threes than Steph. Obviously, pace of play is up and all that stuff, but that's I I would imagine it it's impossible. But I would like to go look it up and like simulate out the numbers because just think about that. Think about being like, hey, there's a chance that if Ant plays till he's 38, he's going to be the all time three point king. Like that's yeah. absurd. Well, a couple things on that. He's so Steph Curry first three years in the NBA. Uh, his third year, he had the ankle problems. Okay. I think that was the third year, and he missed like 60 games. But he only averaged four and a half three point attempts per game his first three years. Okay. And then somebody smart in the organization or Steve Kerr or whoever it was, probably Steve Kerr taking over saying, Hey dude, what are we doing here? Why four four and a half threes a game? You're the best three point shooter the league's ever seen. So he then ramps it up and two years later he's shooting eight threes a game, uh, up from seven and a half. And the last what, nine years, eight years of his career, he's averaging like eleven or twelve three pointers per game. So Ant would have to, at some point, kick it into a gear where he's shooting 11 or 12 three-pointers per game at a high make Which percentage. not what you want, anyway. It was just, it was I, to see that stat, I mean, the cool thing now that you are large enough sample size, and this team is really, I was looking at my little spreadsheet I made, the Wolves only have like six or seven more games where I'll tweet something stupid and say, we've come so far, my friends, but uh, they really are competing with that 0304 team. Alan Horton just had one during the show that is also worth mentioning as we just throw tons of numbers at the listeners. But uh, to be the best, you got to beat the best. NBA best records versus 500 or above teams. Minnesota is 23-11 and 11 against teams 500 or above. That is the best mark in the league. Celtics are in second, OKC third, Bucks fourth, Denver fifth, Clippers sixth. But, you know, Man. they've had a little bugaboo again with some of these bad teams, the Spurs game, you know, the Hornets game and stuff. But I, it's it's become less and less, so I'm not really that concerned about it. I wouldn't be surprised if this week with two Blazers games, they play with their food a little bit. Again, tonight they're going to be exhausted. But 23-11 uh, and 11 against teams that are actually trying and actually good and trying to compete for something you're competing with is uh, just another feather in the cap of what has been a really, really fun season. Yep, that's that's. That's a pretty good benchmark right there to follow. Uh, two two things from the comment section here, just to wrap <laughs> oh, the show, God. Kyle. We'll start with PW, who says, I've been wondering about this since the AE1 shoes dropped. Why don't any of Anthony Edwards' teammates wear his shoe? Is it like a licensing thing where he's the only one allowed? Would think that at least uh, some of the bench players would like to jump on the AE1 bandwagon. Love the podcast. Love the chemistry with Kyle and Phil. Uh, proud to count myself as a sicko Keep up the good work. Thank you, PW. Yeah, can we get Luca Garza some AE ones or what's the? Some of these guys have shoe contracts, right? So they can't, like Rudy Gobert uh, probably has a deal. Off the top of my head, I also just think that they might have a lot of Nike guys on the roster because there's a difference between signing a shoe contract and having your own shoe. I mean, that whole world is like uh, Travis, sneaker reporter for for the Wolves, does a really good job of of give him a fall, of kind of doing the whole sneakerhead thing, but uh. Off the top of my head, I can think that the Wolves have a lot of Nike guys that are signed to deals, get a little money, get a bunch of free shoes. Um, but I'm going to ask that tonight, actually. Seriously, I'm going to when I'm in the locker room, I'm going to just because Dude, maybe it's you, a schism. Maybe they don't like him. Yeah, maybe that's maybe, that, maybe, maybe that's what you can uncover. Anthony tonight. Edwards on the trade block. Put that on the caption of this. Uh, no one's wearing his shoe. But I, I did see last night. As funny as this is, like Zubac had Harden's shoes on because the only reason I know that is because they look like the ugliest moon shoe of all time. But uh, <laughs> so you you do see players that are have signature sneakers have their teammates wear them uh, i just don't think there's a lot of adidas guys like i know carl's nike i think so is mike um so maybe that's as simple as it is but i'll ask tonight and i'll see if uh 
I'll see what kind of shoes Wendell Moore is wearing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you. Ask the important questions in there that all the flagrant house. Yeah, also, are. It, yeah, send me some uh, if you're if you're on X still, the 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 app. Not again. Anyway, uh, send me some questions. Uh, I'll be there tonight with Dane covering the next two games, and we'll be talking to Finch and talking to the players. And so, if there's anything you want to know uh, about shoes, or you know, I want to ask Monty Morris his favorite food because that really in, intrigues me. So then we can give him some recommendations as he makes Minnesota home. So yeah, send those yeah. to me. But uh, that's a great question. For this last one here, I'm going to bring producer Ross into the mix if he's uh, got his headphones on. Because I think it was last week or the week before we did Random Wolf of the Week. And one of the clues was this former wolf. It was last week because it was J.R. Ryder. This former wolf or this random wolf has won an NBA championship. And it spun us down a wormhole oh, of yes. how, how good of a clue is that? Like how precise of a clue is that? How many wolves have even won a championship somewhere, right? Did somebody well, dig and do the work for us? Andrew, the list guy. Now, this is Andrew who who completed the, the 287 Timberwolves of all time ranked list in the offseason. So Andrew, the list guy, has struck again. And he says, I can't sleep. So here are the 34 Timberwolves players who have won championship rings. Thanks for asking the hard questions. Another fun, another fun trip down memory lane. And he has them in alphabetical order. So I will read you. These are the 34 Timberwolves that have touched the LOB in their I love this so much. The people that listen to this podcast are literally the best people on earth. I love you all. (laughs) And they're all sickos. Except for one of them. I'm going to bring them up. But anyway. J.J. Barea, Jordan Bell, Chauncey Billups, Nemanja Bialica, Adrian Branch, Corey Brewer, Scotty Brooks, Tony Campbell, Brian Cardinal. Brian Cardinal. The janitor. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sam Cassell, three-time champion. Sam Cassell, was Michael that... Doliak. Oh, hmm? never mind. I was going to ask about Scotty Brooks. Was that as a coach or was that as a player? Scotty Brooks, nineteen ninety-four Rockets. Then, yep, was he as on a the... player. Yep. Okay. So Scotty Brooks and Sam Cassell won a championship with the nineteen ninety-four Houston Rockets. There you go. Uh, Michael Doliak, Bryn Forbes, who just got arrested. Former Timberwolf there. <laughs> Uh, Greg Foster, Kevin Garnett, Mike James. Mike James. Who? Wow. Pistons. Oh, okay. I think. Yep. I think Pistons. There are so far a lot of just very serviceable at best big men that have won. <laughs> a lot of dudes along for the ride. Like Stacey King and Luke Longley are next on this list. Just literally just like, Mr. Jordan, can I fold your anything, please? Mr. Jordan. Kevin Love. Mark Madsen, Darko Milicic, Mike Miller, Rashawn Esterovich, Tayshawn Prince, J.R. Ryder, Eric Riley, Brandon Rush, Jeff Teague, Roni Turioff, Antoine Walker, Andrew Wiggins, Mike Wilkes, Corey Williams, Michael Williams, and Mo Williams. Okay. The middle of that list to back half had some meat. There There were some players there. Do we now have to do a list of, like, like a full roster if we were to make... (laughs) <laughs> a starting five and five yep. bench players from this list of Timberwolves who won championship. Yeah, we had to rank. Cassell, starting point guard. How many people Next were on spot. that list? Kevin How many Love. people were on that Thir- list, Phil? 34, 34. Yeah, Jordan Bell would come in at 35th, I think. He uh, he never really <laughs> panned out. But uh, if we can if we can close this out, I know we have a, hopefully another pod this week. My schedule gets kind of weird with these games and trying to not get fired at my normal job. But uh, can I read you one more comment? Kind of yeah. just sums up everything. Uh, this was a good one. I, I would like Ross to stay on, but... Uh, Joshua T6305 chimed in last week and said, this is really good. I had to think about this one. 
Jim Pete brings more to the table than Kyle. He should be the mainstay of flagrant howls. He played in the league. That lends credibility to his takes. Thanks, Josh. That's correct. <laughs> that is uh, that might be the greatest take we've had on this. Good, really, good work by you. I appreciate that. Really, twenty-five year huh? color commentator who is the best at his job in the entire league brings more to the table than two schleps who've never played anything other than rec league basketball. We'll try to yes. get Josh on the pod after we get Shane Heal. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, Kyle, oh, you've been man. demoted to uh, coming up with random wolf of the week. Which then moves me out of the state. <laughs> wait, so, no, wait, you just got fired. <laughs> yep. And then right. I just compete against myself and guess wrong three times, and you still get the point. Uh, all right. Hey, this is a Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. Please give us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple and Spotify, and click the like and subscribe buttons on the Scorn Earth YouTube channel. For Kyle, producer Ross, I'm Phil. Howl.